Hello and welcome to The Last Looks Podcast, a show where we catch up with talented hairstylists and makeup artists in the film and television industry. We'll pick their super creative brains and find out all the good stuff. Join me, your host, Jamie Lee, in finding out what's what in the hair and makeup departments around the world. And now, a word from our sponsor. Newsflash! Wanna know how those Tinseltown starlets get those gleamy golden gams? How those sultry sirens light up the silver screen with that lit-from-within glow? How they get that gorgeous makeup to last all day and night? Well, gather round, cause I've got the buffo news right here that's causing the paparazzi to buzz like bees. It's Melanie Mills Hollywood, of course. It's the secret of the red carpet, and now it's your secret too. Pro makeup artist Melanie Mills developed these multi-purpose and multicultural products right from the makeup trailer on the set of smash hit Dancing with the Stars. From her amazing face and body radiances, a deliciously special sauce made up of a makeup, moisturizer, and glow all in one that comes in six stunning shades, to her super light, long-lasting setting spray that holds those looks popping and keeps mouths dropping till the cows come home. This fine aerosol mist sets your makeup as easy as one, two, three. For flawless makeup applications, the Melanie Mills Hollywood Brush Collection is the answer to your prayers. These affordable, buttery soft vegan brushes are just what you need to sculpt, shape, highlight, and contour. Whatever the party calls for, Melanie Mills Hollywood has you covered. And remember that all these gorgeous, cruelty-free vegan products are tested on celebrities, never on animals. MelanieMillsHollywood.com and now, our feature presentation. Okay, it's Oscars time. And of course, the Last Looks podcast is all up in that business. We have five bonus episodes where I'll be catching up with all five teams nominated for their superb makeup and hair work. All teams ask the same set of questions, but of course, they all have very different answers. The Oscars makeup and hair lineup for 2023 is All Quiet on the Western Front, the Batman, Black Panther Wakanda Forever, Elvis, and The Whale. The 95th Academy Awards will be presented at the Dolby Theatre in Los Angeles on Sunday, March 12th. Thanks for listening and supporting the podcast, guys. It really does take a lot to get all these teams together to be able to bring these bonus episodes to you. With everyone working and shooting all over the world, as you know, it's hard. It certainly takes time and effort, so for that, I'm thankful to you, the listener, and all my guests. And a big shout-out to our sponsors. We thank you for your continued support. Sponsors of our Oscars special episodes are Hands Down Refresher and Sanitizer, John Blake's Wigs and Facial Hair, Lux Skin FX, Melanie Mills Hollywood, and Neo Cosmetic Cases. I hope you enjoy these special episodes as much as I did putting them together. Pictures up. Last looks. Rolling. 
Welcome to the Last Looks podcast team. Hi. Hello. So congratulations <laughs> on your Oscar nomination for your work on the film Elvis. It's so good to have you here again, Mark. I have spoken to you before. And um, hi, Jason. Nice to meet you. Hi, nice to meet you. Yes, honoured to be back. So let's start with some introductions, which I kind of just did. But if you could tell me what you guys did on the film, Mark, we'll start with you. Yeah, so uh, Mark Coolier. Yes, I was the prosthetic makeup designer on the film, um, mainly sorting out the characters of uh, Elvis and Colonel Tom Parker. Jason? Thanks. I'm... Jason Baird, uh, I was the prosthetic supervisor for Mark on the film Elvis. And yeah, we looked after both Colonel Tom Parker and Elvis's makeups throughout the journey of the film on set in Australia, handling the day-to-day prosthetic applications and um, fat suit connectivity with both characters. Yeah, that's so cool. So I'd love to know from both of you, but we'll start with Jason. When you first heard the news that you'd been nominated, like what was the what was going through your mind? What explain this to us? Um well being the first time I've been nominated, it was um, it was quite a surreal experience, I, d- I have to say. And yeah, it's it's you, it's just that pinch pinch me moment. But you, and that you start to reflect on your career at that point and what it took to get you to be in a position where you could be um, asked to look after such makeups and be in a position to be confident enough to do it. So yeah, it's uh, it's it's kind of reflective. I thought. Did you listen to the announcement? Like you would have been asleep, would you? Been in Australia? Yeah, or- yeah, that's right. I I I was going to stay up, but I had a lot to do the next day. So I thought, ah, oh, look, I you know I'll pick up my phone as soon as soon as I wake up. I'll pick up the phone, and someone will have posted it. So I knew I didn't have to dig too deep to find that out. I'm sure a few messages were coming in. Oh, they were coming in, and I I heard yeah on obviously Instagram, and and then um a couple of hours later, you get a letter from the the governors officially saying fantastic um good job and you know you've been nominated so that was you know fantastic fantastic news yeah and this isn't the first one for you mark so h- how do you how do you deal with it these days <laughs> <laughs> these days that's funny i think um you know we're so busy at work uh, and i think it's happened the other times before that i've got into work and just started you know spreadsheets sending this and sorting somebody out like working out sculptures blah 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 blah. so I tend to totally forget about it I've I've, you know and then it's just a case of the phone pings at some point and you know you're prepared for for disappointment but it's really nice you know I don't want to sit there waiting to hear Uh, I didn't even do that the first the first time with the iron lady you know I didn't sit there waiting I think you know, the guys were working in the workshop and someone ran into the office and said, hey, hey, guess what? You know, and then I'd actually totally forgotten about it at the time. I was so busy. Um, so, yeah. And then the other thing is, you know, you just, it's like, okay, you know, you're, you're going to be taking credit for all this work that everybody everybody around you has done, you know. So that that's always kind of like, so you go, hey, congratulations, guys. Uh, and they know that you're the one that's uh, going to go and get the champagne and the uh, and the flight over to LA, you know. So it's always a bit tinged with, I'm really sorry, guys, but. Hey, guess what? (laughs) (laughs) Well, then you have the, I mean, you kind of have to hold it all on your shoulders, don't you guys, to kind of speak on Mm. everybody. You do, you do, yeah. I mean, the the other thing about it is, you know, you think, oh, you know, well, I've worked for 35 years and, 
pretty much it's a pretty tough business that we're in, isn't it? You know, the film industry and the prosthetic side of it is is really tough because you're dealing with these characters that are on screen and on it in close up all the way through the movie. And you're on set with these bits of rubber that you've stuck on their face and you're trying to make it and keep it looking a hundred percent the entire time. And you're getting up at three o'clock in the morning. You know, we've all been there. We've all done all that stuff. Mm -hmm. So, you know, you, you, it's just a bit of, it's a bit of payback for all that hard work you've done for years and years, not just on that movie, yeah. but on, on everything that you've done. Really. Yeah, that's awesome. So if we could start kind of talking about the characters that you're nominated for in the film, mm -hmm. Mark, do you want to start with that? Just with kind of research and development and through to Jason with daily application and things like that? Yeah. So um, I first got a call off um, producer, Patrick McCormick, who I, I've worked with before. And, you know, he said, I've got this project and it's Elvis. And it was like, oh, great and you know what an awesome project I'm a, I'm a big Elvis fan anyway and you know then he told us that uh Tom Hanks was playing Colonel Tom Parker so and and again you know that and that is your perfect prosthetics job you know that somebody's just offered you on a on a, on a plate there really you're not bidding against anybody else it's just mm. hey guys do you want to do this job you know so it was really great then then it was like you know, it, initially it was okay. You're just doing some stuff on Tom Hanks to do Colonel Tom Parker, and 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 the more we talked and the more we went through it, we kind of realised that actually there was going to be more involved with prosthetics with Austin's character. You know, which is a little bit more terrifying. You know, because uh, you, you've got to transmogrify somebody into Elvis and do it all justice. You know, no one, no one really. You know, you know people have a vague idea what Colonel Tom Parker looks like, but. Everyone knows what Elvis looks like. It's a bit like doing Rami Malek for yeah. Bohemian Rhapsody. You know, you're like, how do you find that, yeah, yeah. That, that, that that sweet spot, you know? So then it was like, okay, let's go through all the research. So we did all the usual back and forth through all the the decades. You know, we, we were going to be taking both characters on a journey from the 50s to when Elvis uh, died in the 70s, you know? So we, we covered, you know, two and a half decades. So we were going to be, you know, especially with Elvis, he changed a lot, you know, he's the fashion changed, the, the hair and facial hair changed, the shape of his face changed um, as he matured. So we were looking at doing these small appliances on his cheeks and jawline and chin to get him, to turn him in from this young, fresh-faced Austin Butler into the mature Vegas years. And then his decline from 68, 70 to 77, which was pretty rapid over a short period of time, really, where he was, you know, going through the taking too many drugs and, you know, putting weight on and, and to that very sad, unchained melody that uh, takes us through to the end of the movie. I'll let Jason do a bit of a chat about what he did too. Yeah, it was really heartbreaking, wasn't it? It's a heartbreaking story. I listened to an interview, which is great, with Guillermo del Toro interviewing Baz Luhrmann, which is on the portal, the BAFTA portal. And it's so fascinating, the the, the journey that, that he took on. Yeah, so uh, I got a couple of calls because I was obviously here in Australia when the production had set up and I got two calls, one from Kerry Thompson, who was the costume supervisor and Leslie Vanderwald, who was the makeup supervisor and hair supervisor at the time, the very inception of the of the film. And at that point, I think the conversation had already started with Mark and... Leslie was talking them through putting me and my team in place to look after Mark's work. So while that was coming along, we received the body scans for Tom Hanks and Austin Butler, and we started to develop 
the fat suits for both characters with Catherine Martin, the costume designer. And that started in a digital format. We, we did some digital sculpting of, of bodies and different looks. And we honed that. Um, we ended up doing, after the digital stuff was done, we ended up sculpting Austin's fat suit practically. Instead of shaping it up out of foam and making pockets and all that sort of stuff, we actually sculpted his fat suit and... 3D print all of Tom Hanks's fat suit sections and cast them in foam and and inserted those foam sections into a power net power mesh undersuit and they were all in the process of being built and then as soon as the two actors turned up I guess end of December January is a very tight window for testing we started to refine them basically because once you get them into the suits you realize oh we've got to tweak this tweak that and then we had some jumpsuits to try on and some of Tom Parker's costumes had come into the mix so we actually had clothing to put over the top of the fat suits to refine and tweak where the weight should really be and where it shouldn't be also, Catherine got actual jumpsuits from Graceland where they wow. were where they're being stored that Elvis actually wore. So Austin was very, very close indeed to Elvis's size. And mm. so then we could they knew where we could we could let things out, make things thicker, make things thinner, so that we got the fit right. So talk a little bit, I guess, about the handover shots. Like COVID shut the production down after the initial tests were done with Mark, and I'll let Mark talk about that. But when we when we came back from COVID, we had the five months to prep most of the appliances for both characters, uh, at least to get us started. Prepaid a lot of the pieces. We came back from COVID, and we were able to do a number of tests on extra tests on Elvis and only one more test on Tom Hanks because he flew in late. Can I just jump in and just yeah. say it, yeah. it's, it's, really, it's really interesting how, you know, we're talking to all the prosthetics guys who all run studios that when the pandemic mm. hit, there's this massive sense of relief because we're all doing these, we're all doing these movies with tight deadlines and we're all like, oh God, we're on set next week and we haven't <laughs> done this and we haven't done that. Suddenly the pandemic <laughs> hits and everybody, all of us said, wow, oh my God, we could just sit back and go to the workshop because we're isolated for everybody. We just carry on running stuff. And uh, I'm sure it was a it was silver a massive, lining. <laughs> yeah, it was, it was a silver lining. It's a horrible thing to be, be like that, but it was quite interesting. I mean, David from DTT yeah. said it and Mike Marino said it. And, you know, everybody, we we're all like, oh, blimey, a bit of breathing space because we don't have much breathing space in our, uh, in our, in our working lives. Just oh, wanted no. to jump in. No, it's a good point. Yeah, so once we started shooting, it was obviously originally – Mark and his team were going to stay with us for a, a good couple of weeks so that the transition was um, a really nice, relaxed, fine tune and syncing up with with techniques and, and application and coloring techniques. Um, that unfortunately didn't happen and we were just dropped in the deep end when they came back and just went... With a, um, with a lot of time to think about it um, <laughs> beforehand. A lot of time to think about it. And actually, we, we did utilize that we got a couple of doubles in and we thought we've got all these appliances. We've got a, a young guy who looked like a little bit like Austin. We had a, a guy that looked a bit like Tom Hanks. So we, we'd, we'd do some, you know, we do some makeup tests. So we got a chance to get our hands and, and color application just a little bit, little bit tweaked. Yeah, obviously it's got to be different when you get the real person in the chair, but um, that gave us a little bit of extra leeway and extra practice too with the appliances. And then it was, yeah, into into shooting and into, and I guess the challenge there was, we talked about this the other day, was that get the actor as good as you could in the chair and then 
you, we'd always get to set and there would always be a block through a lighting check. And then we, we realized there was, there was some color tweaks, obviously, when the lighting hit the prosthetic, there was some tweaking to be done. So that's how we kind of approached each day. Awesome. I um, just wanted to quickly ask, with the bodysuit stuff, does that always come from makeup or does sometimes costume take care of that or that build is always from the makeup it's side a, of things? Yeah, if it's, just a, if it's just a fat suit under clothing, then probably costume would, would handle it. But this is kind of makeup creature effects. So so to speak, bodysuit stuff. So I think Mark would agree that you'd probably want to control that within the realms of makeup and prosthetics and especially costuming so you can get the two to match. But obviously I was doing them in Australia and Mark was doing the makeup. So it was a bit of a, you're using your best guess Mm. with past experience to, to get it as close as you can and then there's obviously tweaks yeah yeah that one is that one is uh also down to uh, you know you're you're directly there working with Catherine. you know she's got to make the costumes fit the fat suit so the, in this instance that was um yeah. you know uh that that was necessary that way I, I i find it varies uh from costume designer to costume designer if it's like jason right. said if it's heavily involved with your prosthetic i.e you know elvis had all these uh outfits that were open to the to the down to his waist almost you know so all his chest is visible so you've got to make the prosthetic chest which um jason we we sculpted one version and jason sculpted another over in australia and it was all hair punched and everything so um you've got to make that fit onto your padded suit and then the costume as well so it's it's always a bit of a combo effort but generally for movement and everything else i like to be in control from from our side of things when we're doing fat suits um, to make sure it fits with the prosthetic. You know, sometimes if it's just a heavier belly and costume want to do it, then then they do it. Yeah. And I mean, every year I look at the the nominated teams and I'm just like, I don't understand how anybody even votes because they're all so incredible, but they're also vastly different as well. Like the variety of work is is quite amazing. So I just would love to kind of hear from you guys is how you feel your work is different from your fellow nominees. Yeah, I, I think ours is the only one that takes the two characters, it's two character makeups, basically. Um, mm, uh, El- yeah. Elvis and Colonel Tom Parker um, takes them on a, on a journey over a period of time. So we're going through several periods and also, you know, the, the transformation of Elvis from, like I said before, the fresh-faced Elvis of the 50s right, right through to just before his death and Colonel Tom Parker's ageing, you know. So we'd sculpted stuff for Elvis, but Baz is, you know, Baz is the kind of director that even if you spend six months making stuff and designing stuff, uh, when you actually get there and you stick it on your actors, you know, things come up and it's like, oh, let's try this and let's try that. So when, when we first went over to Australia to hand over, all this stuff had been signed off. We didn't really have the time or the option to, you know, fly back to the UK and remake everything. It was sort of like get over there and do the changes over there. For instance, when we did uh, the Colonel Tom Parker, the first stage of him, when you first see him in the movie, uh, Baz wanted to fatten up the, the the neck a little bit, you know, and that's a complete, for a prosthetic makeup, that's a complete redo from the from the get-go. You know, you can use the same core, but you've got to sculpt, re-sculpt it all to get it fatter. Yeah. Or what we did was just Josh Weston sculpted a little, couple of plumpers that went underneath the makeup 
to fatten it up. So, you know, Baz is like, and then he'd be like, oh, let's try a chin on, on Austin and let's try this. And, uh, you know, we, we had five different noses that we were trying out. We had a, we had a whole bunch of stuff. Uh, and it, it's a very sort of that design part of the process is a very changeable changeable thing yeah sorry did that answer the question or did i wander off like i think so (laughs) it answered it you wandered off a little but it was all very interesting so i'll allow Mm. it mark (laughs) (laughs) did you have anything to add on that jason or are you good yeah it that's i I would agree the other films took place i think all in unless i'm mistaken all in a a certain period yeah and ours spanned 30 odd years and so yeah i'm just reiterating that mark's 100 percent right the nuances of and as much as the nuances change with Tom Hanks getting slightly fatter, getting slightly grayer, a little bit less hair on the top with crow's feet and age spots and liver spots and things like that that helped age him down. The subtleties that that the Elvis makeup went through were were just you know even though I was there doing it day to day with the guys, it's it was just um, amazing to to watch that happen and to watch him go through that and to actually see the the rushes and to, you know and see him in those different formats even when he was he was fattened up over. That we did four separate fat suits, starting from this. The first fat suit was just that kind of two inches of fat that a that a man can get as he starts to just um, slacken off, um, and that that had the first prosthetic um, silicon piece on it, and the subtleties of that one to the next, to the next, to the next to the, to the big one in '77, and of course all of his wigs that that changed every single time too. Just there was I think nine full nine different looks almost with Austin. I was just going to say, well, with that Elvis character, one thing that, that uh, you know, when you're watching the movie, uh, you know, we're as makeup artists, we're always striving to have the makeup be as invisible as possible. And, you know, Elvis is a big, broad character. You know, he's he's got a very strong look. You know, he wore makeup himself. And, you know, it's quite it's quite nice to hear when you come out of there that people didn't realize Austin was wearing prosthetics. You know, he didn't realize, you know, he, he has a chin on from the beginning. We pinned his ears back with prosthetics. Uh, then, you know, a bit later on, he's, you know, in the 68 special, he's got he's still looking super handsome and he's got the cheeks and the jawline and all, all that stuff. And it's, you know, you know, you've been successful when people go, oh, I didn't realize he was wearing prosthetics during that entire film. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you've done your job. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's awesome. So throughout this, what was one of your bigger challenges? I think for me was, you know, knowing that we were going to, you know, we had uh, my main guys were Josh Weston, who sculpted all the Colonel Tom Parker stuff and Stephen Murphy, who sculpted Elvis stuff and, 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 and some of the Colonel Tom Parker as well. And then myself, um, you know, I was doing things like doing the prosthetics to pin the ears back, sculpting all the noses that we were going to test and all that various stuff. But knowing that we're going to take all that stuff over to Australia and then we've got to hand over to, you know, we'd never met, had we, Jason, you know, at the time. Um, no. I knew Le- I knew Leslie from many years before from Babe, but uh, you know I hadn't worked over in Australia since then. The biggest challenge was really how are we going to do this, you know. And I guess you know that we just built in these test periods. You know, we were taken over to Australia initially to test Austin when he became free, and we did this two weeks. You know, we just sort of landed and we were in there. We were making pieces and doing all Baz's changes, and then working with Jason's team. You know, and it was it was just how do you guys do it, and how do you guys and we sort of swapped around and did our painting techniques and they did their painting techniques and then you know we slowly honed it you know we didn't get Austin every day but then when we didn't do it on Austin we did it on someone else and 
Then with Colonel Tom Parker, we got a double in. When we went back after Christmas, we tested Tom Parker. So there was quite a, it was two trips that we went out there, to two testing periods. And over that time, we just, you know, the, the guys, Jason's guys are, are fantastic. Sean Genders, Emma George and Anthony McMullen, you know, they were all starting to paint paint it all beautifully you know by the time we left like Jason said before we were supposed to be having this two or three week handover period where myself and Josh Weston and Steve Murphy would stay with the guys and you know just do this sort of get into filming because things come up in filming you can test and do stuff and then it's like okay now we're filming and the makeup's on for 12 hours while he's on stage performing you know and that yeah. keeping keeping that maintained is a different different thing than sitting in a, a chair doing a test makeup you know but you know the pandemic hit and uh, we we had to leave and and then but you know by the time we left we were super confident that jason's team and they did they did an absolutely amazing job of it all so it was great but that was the biggest challenge out of the whole thing oh uh, yeah look i i agree that was Challenging and nerve-wracking to be in that position, knowing who Mark and his team were and, you know, stepping up. You know, we've, I've, I've been around an awfully long time, but, you know, it's always, you do something you that scares you. So this um, this was one of those things. So we we stepped up and the more we the more we did it, the, the more things eased off and we kind of, um, we're off and running. But um, challenging, yeah, it, look, it, it was that initial prep was super challenging, getting getting those suits ready in time. Um, obviously, it was completely alleviated when COVID hit because we could get them done. But once we were up and running, I, I think timing was a, was a challenge at the start uh, and the pressure from the ADs to, to keep our times as, as compact as possible so they could get as much shooting done with the two leads as they could each day. So that, that was a pressure, but eventually we we agreed on a time that, that seemed unreasonable at the time, but I knew we could hit it within that time frame. There, there was a bit of pushback, but we hit those times every day. We never held the, the filming up once, which was, uh, was what you want. And both Tom Hanks and Austin were just and just consummate professionals and they just they were great to have in the chair you know you couldn't ask for two two better actors so that made our lives easy and and we tried to make their lives as easy as possible too by you know getting them in and out with this little um drama uh, and yeah coloring I, I mentioned it before but yeah the coloring was a challenge you know mm. with, with the different lighting um, scenarios Bass had put in place we were tweaking quite a bit also when Austin sweat heavily because Tom Hanks was mainly just standing around, walking around and keeping calm and cool with all yeah. of his gear on. There were sometimes out outdoors, he'd sweat profusely and you'd get your little little bead bubbles coming through in the corners. And so that was manageable. But Austin would really, he would really get um, really flushed when he's dancing. And so there was a little bit of color correcting to keep the tones of Austin's face and the prosthetics in sync. And any lessons learned? I mean, we're always learning bits and pieces, but there's anything stand out? It sounds like Mark just enjoyed having some downtime. Um. <laughs> I did. I didn't have any downtime. I was in. I was in the workshop working most of the time. But but we had, had a. Rip, but was it a, a little calmer, Mark? Was it a little calmer? A little calmer, yes, yes. <laughs> I did manage to do a bit of gardening. There you go. Gardening, good for the soul. Any lessons learned? Um, uh, I was just going to just, well, it's a, you know, a nice part of the process is how much uh, you dilute the glue with uh, the solvent for different parts of the face where you need it to be stronger, where you need it to be softer. And mainly around the mouth area was obviously Tom Hanks is um, obviously around the mouth on anyone. That's where it's going to release first. But, you know, 
changing the consistency of the, the deadener and the silicon to make it a little bit softer so there's more stretch and then uh, stronger glue around the mouth. So that, that, was a, that was a dance that we had at the start, but we, we found the perfect formula and we were off. So um, awesome. I'd say that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And my lesson learned yeah. is, is, and I, I think I've known it anyway for like 25 years or 30 years, whatever. But, yeah, you know, when somebody says a sculpture is approved and a makeup is approved, um, until, you know, we all know this, until you actually stick it on the actor, it's not. But then there are some directors, <laughs> there are some directors who just want to change everything every day. <laughs> and you've just got to be prepared for that in our business. You've just got to be prepared for these guys like, like Matteo Garoni on Pinocchio sculpting that thing 20 times, 15, 20 times, you know, like, and, and this one again, you know, Baz could suddenly just come out like with Tom Parker. Hey, can we try this? Can we try that? Let's do this. Let's do that. So you've got to be, you've got to be on your toes. Uh, so it was more like, a lesson remembered rather than a lesson uh, learned. So a little reminder. Yeah. <laughs> a little reminder, yeah. yeah. And, uh, Don't forget that. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. And and be calm. Just be, yes, absolutely, we can accommodate that. <laughs> yes. I mean, you have to say yes, don't you? Like, can we do that? I remember re- reading a, a, a Rick Baker article many years ago, and he, he said he'd just go into meetings and go, you know, they'd say, oh, we want a flying dragon, da, 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 does this, that, and the other, and uh can you do that? And he'd just say, yes. <laughs> and then he'd walk out of it and go, how the hell am I going to do that? <laughs> exactly. That's awesome. So I just wanted to know if you wanted to take a moment to give a shout out to those that helped you. I know that you've named a few people, but now's the time to, to give some love. I'll jump in if you don't, I'll, you know, go I'll for just it. jump in with the Aussie crew. So yeah, I'd really like to the shout out to obviously the prosthetic team. Sean Genders, who who applied Tom's makeup with me, and Brittany Jones, who assisted us. Um, Emma George and Anthony McMullen, who did Elvis's makeup with Sophie Thorpe, assisting them. Uh, makeup and hair designer Shane Thomas, and the other hair people, which was Tess Natoli and Louise Colston. Tess handled Austin's um, wigs on a daily and Louise handled Tom Hanks's wig on a daily. So, oh, and, and Kerry Thompson, of course, who I mentioned. Yeah, and the entire team and my entire lab team back at JMB too, so, which was uh, Stan, Stan Pacabra and Zara Long for the most part. Yeah, cool. Awesome. You know, my main two guys, Josh Weston, who sculpted all the Colonel Tom Parker stuff and designed that where myself, with myself and Stephen. Stephen Murphy, you know, they've been working me, with me for a long time, both super talented sculptors and makeup artists. Uh, and the three of us flew over to Australia and, and, you know, established the makeups with Jason. And then in the team, you know, mold shop, we've got Adam Edwards, who's just all around mold making genius and everything else genius. Tom Packwood, Colin Mangan, Anakisa painting and Kate Woodhead in, in the silicon, silicon room. And, you know, a, a big shout out to Aldo Signoretti, who's not here with us in this podcast but he's nominated with myself and jason he was over when we did the test mate did all all the uh, colonel tom parker wigs and the elvis wigs and established all those during the testing period with us and the late great maurizio Silvi, who sadly passed away last year i think it was you know maurizio was a uh, makeup designer when we were doing the tests um but you know the pandemic hit and those guys didn't end up going back and shane thomas took over with uh, you know the makeup and hair design after that but you know uh, a big shout out to maurizio he was well loved and he'll be missed well said well said 
yeah. Okay, guys, so a huge congratulations again. Being nominated for an Oscar is pretty amazing. So um, yeah. enjoy the ride and thanks for joining me today. Thank you. Thank you very much. For links to see more about our guests, go to our Instagram at The Last Looks Podcast or our website, thelastlookspodcast.com. If you want to keep up with new episodes being released, be sure to subscribe through Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Amazon, Google Play, YouTube, or any podcast streaming platform. And remember, if you're enjoying the show, share it. The Last Looks Podcast would like to thank Brett Stanley and Sabrina Castro. The song Fun Time by DJ Quads. Thanks for listening. Until next time. That's a wrap, people.